Welcome to the Skies Were Under podcast, hosted by me, Rachel Wright. This podcast is created by and for parents of people with disabilities and the many practitioners who support us. It's just for all of us who are trying to get from one end of the week to the other whilst bridging the gap between the life we expected and the one we're actually living. Hi, I'm Rachel, the host of the Skies Runder podcast. I'm a nurse, the parent of a child with severe brain damage who now has life-limiting disabilities as a result. I'm the author of The Skies I'm Under and I'm founder of Born at the Right Time. And it seems I'm also a bit of a guilt expert because episode six was not enough for our conversation on guilt and we had to continue that conversation into this episode seven of the Skies Ronda podcast. Once again, I'm thrilled to be joined by our season one regular guests, Sarah Clayton and Lucy Parr. Sarah is the CEO of Simple Stuff Works and her eldest daughter suffered a brain tumour at the age of six. As a consequence of the treatment and complications of that tumour, she's now a beautiful young woman with learning disabilities and some complex medical needs. Lucy is part of the way through a PhD in educational psychology and her third of four children has a chromosome depletion which means he isn't verbal, has autism, high sensory needs and really complex epilepsy. Last week we started talking about guilt. Now I know as men as well as women listen to this podcast. I know this because we've had emails from them but this week's we start off our second episode of guilt thinking about that lovely term, mum guilt. What does it actually mean? Guilt a mother feels any time she takes time to do something for herself, outside of work, that does not involve her children. For example, after barely seeing my children all week due to work, I had horrible mum guilt when dropping them off at the sitter so I could go to the gym. Disgusting. I don't get that. You don't get that? At all. The mum guilt. That just annoys me. The the whole idea, though, that we have a word for it. We have a word for women. Yeah. So it's not parent guilt. No, no. It's the female version. So... What's going on there that makes, you know, do, is there dad guilt? I think where... you know the answer to that. <laughs> I... I think, I think, see, I, I, I hear men say that I'm, they're sad, they're missing out, but that doesn't, I don't hear the guilt. No. Yeah. So is I that, agree. see, I, I did a presentation recently and I was like, so if you want to play a drinking game to go along with my presentation, I suggest you drink every time I say the word patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> and you will have a very fun evening. Let us begin. <laughs> yeah, I think that's exactly it. Patriarchy. When do you ever get asked as a guy, um, when you go out for, to the cinema or you go out on a date, do you ever get asked who's looking after the kids tonight if you're a woman you will almost certainly get asked who's looking after the kids tonight and just that kind of and it's really subtle but it's really massive if you think Mm. about the difference that we that we 
the different expectations we have on mums and dads um and it i think that's massively to do with it that we feel guilty as women because we have all these roles that we're supposed to be playing that we are supposed to be the career woman we're also supposed to have it all and be the amazing parent we're also supposed to be this amazing housekeeper chef person we're also supposed to go to the gym fuck that frankly and yeah we're supposed to be all these different things and play all these different roles and wear all these different hats and we that is expected of us and i think maybe when a really unrealistic expectation of all those things is placed on us and we can't do the best we can do in all those roles. Maybe that is kind of a catalyst for the the mum guilt. I have got the sort of sheen of patriarchy so thick across my eyes mm. that I can't even see the, the, the way in which I'm tamed by it. I've said, I'm just not really affected by sort of, you know, sexism in any way. So I've never felt the need to be feminist in any way. And the thought like yeah, that yeah. came out my mouth yeah and and that i thought that was true i now think differently mm-hmm. but very much so but that's but i think that's because i because the uh, the, the puppeteers sort of telling me look it's all good you're getting all these choices it's like when i say to my six-year-old do you want to have a bath or a shower see i've got a choice i've got a choice (laughs) i can choose i can choose honestly it's like no you're still gonna wash yourself because you stink like that that's that sort of thing yeah there was sorry go on sarah i was just gonna say like with the with that idea of um whether it whether you know maybe it came from men whether it came from women i suspect that it probably came from women um but but because there's there's just that I don't think men even think twice about it because of mm-hmm. everything you're talking about. Do you know what I mean? I don't well, get that at all. I don't I don't have any problem at all leaving the house. I have no guilt. I'm off. I'm gone. I'm away to do things myself. There's I, um, honestly. Yeah. As long as I have to come back. I know I, I know I'll come back. And also this big, idea that's the big taboo, isn't it? <laughs> is not coming yeah. back. Yeah, well, as a yeah. woman, you know, like that's kind of true. not coming back is like the absolute no. I I um, did phone Tim once when I went away for a week's holiday and things were tough at home, not with, with us and our relationship, but with just Life. the emotions and the enormity and the how tricky caring was. And I, the days were so long mm-hmm. and there was so much. And I had just, whenever I'm away from my kids um, and I haven't got Tim with me, I don't worry about them at all. Like, He's like, like, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. When the two of us are away, that's different. Or if we go away without my eldest, that's different. But when it's just me, I'm like, I was sitting outside Prague Castle. I can tell you, on sitting on the cobbled floor. And obviously he was surprised that I called him because it was an international call and we were limiting costs and stuff. And I said, I don't think I'm coming home. Mm. And he was like, um, London. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry, I think the line's a bit problematic <laughs> see you tomorrow bye can you, can you repeat that piece <laughs> i just burst into tears because oh. i couldn't i couldn't imagine um i remember working in a and e and doing a night shift in in the west end of at uch in the west end of london and coming in on a friday night and starting a night shift at like eight or nine o'clock and knowing that when your feet hit the floor there is six things that should have been done half an hour ago and you are 
firefighting, you're like, it's got to be this, 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 and this. What's the thing that I do next? The quick thing that's going to have the biggest impact that's going to, if I don't do it, it's yeah. going to go hit the fan. And and you're just, you're there, off, go, 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 go. And that continues until whatever time the next day. And that's what it felt like coming home again from the the deep breath of space, the deep breath. I actually feel when I have had time away, the most tricky part is not going away. The most tricky part is re-entry. The most tricky part is coming back and readjusting to that level of intensity, that level of stress, that level of um, expectation to uh, do things you know, to be thinking about four things at a time and what's next and who's next and how do I do that and da da da, da. And that's what I find most most difficult. I um, totally relate to that. And then there's there is some level of guilt associated with that because you just I I I think the most guilty the the most I've come to feeling guilty and it, it really affected me is feeling guilty that Brecken is gonna come home again from respite. Like feeling bad, like I going <gasps> Oh, and feeling that same level of panic of right, right, when Brecken gets through the door, it's going to be like, go, hypervigilance, yeah. no time to shit yeah. or breathe or anything. And I don't, and, and feeling this anxiety of that happening and then feeling really guilty associated with that because I'm like, yeah. uh, basically, I don't want my son to come home. And that it's not that I don't want my son to come home. It's that I don't want the life that is associated with that and the chaos that is associated with that in that moment when I've had that space and we've had yeah. that time and we've been able to do quote unquote normal things um, and then it all goes back to being chaos I don't it's okay and that's completely normal and completely human and I I don't want to feel guilty but I do in those moments but also I think it's really important to say we have to be compassionate towards ourselves we have to be as compassionate as we are with everybody else we're lovely people and we would we would be compassionate to our friends we would be compassionate to um, anybody else that we met on this journey and yet somehow we are cheated out of that self-compassion by systems and structures that are kind of not helpful for women and I think that's really unhelpful because we yeah we just we really need to be self-compassionate and I think that is the key and the antidote to feeling guilty is just being like you know it's okay it's okay Mm. to feel all these Mm -hmm. things it's okay to to for it to be hard it's okay and you don't need to feel guilty about it because actually none of this is in your control and it's hard it does feel it does feel really disloyal doesn't it it like yeah. it's like it's like it's really unfaithful because it it gets tied up with the whole idea that if I say and I think there is a there is in part there is this sort of narrative that we need to protect protect our loved ones we need to protect our children who have disabilities by saying that you know that that we avoid pity we avoid marginalization by saying they're wonderful they're brilliant this is great this is exact i wouldn't change a thing you know mm. that, that that presentation of um this is all grand being the thing and i and i think that stops us from being able to say i am finding this hard mm-hmm. now that is not saying they are hard that mm. is not saying they are not utterly worthy utterly wonderful utterly the the yeah. person that I adore most in my life the person that I you know will revolve around um for the rest of my life 
what you know it's not that it's that back to that capacity back to that Mm -hmm. I know as a nurse that I got breaks occasionally that I at least got to go home that I was not allowed to do five lates five long days in a row that I certainly wasn't allowed to do five long days and then six nights I had to take Mm -hmm. rest I had to take leave and as a parent of a child with really complex needs you do not get those breaks Mm -hmm. yeah and we have to jump up and down and show we're falling apart before we get help yeah and part of the reason we don't jump up and down and show because we feel this sense of by saying I can't do this somehow implies that I don't love my child but love does mm-hmm. not give you more hands nope. love does nope. not put more hours in the day that love does not give you more strength or capacity or emotional you know ability it just, it, it it doesn't mm. like yep. they're, you're still just one person so I think unless the, there yeah. is the support love isn't enough I think the key word there is like should like we we often feel i should be able to do xyz i should not be feeling like this i should be feeling like this and if you get rid of the word should then that will be very helpful <laughs> in like alleviating some of that because it's like it is it's irrelevant should or shouldn't that's not helpful that's not a helpful way to think about it it's the should thing of like other people saying you should be like this yourself saying you should be like this i should be doing this and then other people saying yeah you should be doing xyz and then this really unhelpful phrase from professionals that comes along and and says you need to take care of yourself so that you can be the best <laughs> for your child. I'm sorry. Let's rewind. Let's just rewind that because fill actually, from oh, an empty cup. I know you can't. You can't pour from an empty cup. All that's that bullshit. One. It's like that is very. That, that's banded around a lot. You can't f- pour. And actually, my my frustration and anger at that kind of mentality and that thinking is that actually, are you saying that all I am and all I do and all I exist for? And my entirety of myself and identity and being is in looking after somebody else. Because no, it is not. Because I am actually very valuable in in and of myself, in my own human right, to have self-care and not to have self-care so that I can look after my my. So from a, from a guilt perspective, that, that line is, um, you know, yes, you can do this for yourself because it will help you mm-hmm. help others and that's yeah the the kind of background message of that is um this is your ex- this is the this is the expectation back to what the expectations yeah. are yeah. um of others and it's conditional permission conditional permission mm. to look after yourself isn't it it's yeah. conditional permission you are allowed to do all the things that you're not really sure about whether you can do or not you're allowed to go away and have a holiday because it will make you better for doing your job when you get back which is really all you exist for if there is such a thing as mum guilt um and i wonder like you say sarah whether that was a woman's phrase because i think we're a bit rubbish at building each other up yeah, and I think that comes from our insecurities, and I think that comes from again the patriarchal expectations that that's how the the inbuilt the infighting is what keeps us busy. Yeah, <laughs> the next yeah. rising and up together, that, and it's that signalling thing, isn't it? Of I'm doing this thing, but oh, I feel so bad about it. Like <laughs> oh, you know, like uh, 
actually, it's all right to say, no, I feel really good about this. Such, you know, yeah. I am going to do so and so. And know. I'm brilliant at it. Yes. You know, this is it. I feel good about this and I'm really good at it. So there. Okay, so, so if that's like a, a mum guilt, so what about from a, the perspective of, of of having children with really complex needs? We've mm-hmm. we've mentioned the stakes being higher. Like the 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 reality is, if we get it wrong, it has it can have way bigger consequences, and that mm-hmm. is exhausting. Is there anything else that um, we think is specific to our kind of parenting? biggest thing that I dealt with that I didn't talk to anybody about for a long time because I was so ashamed of it was uh, missing her realizing that I missed her when she was in the room that I missed this little girl Mm. but she was still there but my girl wasn't there anymore but there was this new person there and I don't you know she was six when everything went monumentally um tits up so I knew her likes and dislikes and I knew her personality and I knew the jokes that she would like to tell and all of those sorts of things so this new person mm. with with all of those different I found it so hard and I would I would hear people talking about their children and you know bit like 100% unconditional no I wouldn't change a thing and I would sit and I'd be thinking shit I would I would mm. does I that so make me would. bad yeah does that make me awful and then obviously within the children's cancer community there are children who don't survive their treatment so Mm. on so not only am I pining for this you know like kind of this girl that doesn't exist anymore but she is still here I'm also Mm. friends with people whose children are not here anymore so how dare I you know like kind of she's here she's not the same but she's here Mm. Oh God! I just used to drive myself around the bloody bend. Yeah. Um, and I, even in this sort of work that I do about trying to make people aware of the complexities and the challenges, and um, there is often uh, a little voice in my head going he's not going to be here forever and then you're going to be sorry that yeah, you yeah. complained about any of these things that you wish yeah. you could do and you can't do anymore yeah um yeah and and feeling like that it gets back to a level of disloyal yeah um and feeling like there's this hologram this what if world of totally. another version of your child yeah um and and I and the guilt associated with yes just imagining exactly the, that. the other and and the guilt of just feeling a loss like yeah. there are lots of people who are like no I value and think this is wonderful and actually I think it's okay to say yes that's true also but it can also be true yeah. and in the same breath true that it is hard and you feel sad that yeah. he can't look into my eyes and he isn't ever gonna say hi mum and he isn't ever gonna say I love you with words. He might in other ways. Yeah. Actually, he doesn't say that to me at all. He he stopped giving... Can I just say, for the record, he has genuinely stopped giving me kisses. Oh, so he's a teenage boy. He does... He, 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 he'll come, and he does it when he comes in. He goes... And, you know, randomly. Yeah. He will do it for Lucy all <laughs> the frigging uh, time. Can we just say how old's Lucy? He will, she's 20. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and is Lucy his mom? <laughs> Not the point. He will do it for his dad. <laughs> so I heard point. in the EHCP that he does it for his teachers at school, and he has oh. genuinely stopped doing it for me. Hit. He is an asshole, and I do not feel guilty for publicly saying he is an asshole. Because, quite frankly, all the things I've done for him, I deserve a few more years of kisses. Thank you very much. That's funny. But there is, yeah, you're right. There, there is, there is. Um, I can't, I can't relate to you guys in the same way. I don't think because obviously there wasn't a before and an after in the same way. Mm-hmm. And there, it, it, yeah, for Brecken, he has always been who he is. But I, I do get really pissed off. The Facebook police in groups, um, which are supposed to help and encourage and be safe spaces for parents and families with complex needs, children, and they will say it's absolutely wrong and never okay to say that you are grieving your child mm. and I just don't agree with that it you are always there is always some level of grief of the things that are were are typical and are not for your mm. life mm-hmm. and that's okay and and as Rachel said it doesn't mean that we're saying we don't want our child as they are and we don't love them unconditionally and revolve our lives around them and all the rest of it but it's also sad and those yeah. two things can coexist. Yeah. Yes. And it's not it's not either or. And we we you know, we've mentioned that research that showed the stress um that Joanna Griffin did that said that the, the stress that parents feel is related there is a, an element of stress related to the impairment and the difference, but actually the bigger stress is related to the context. And so mm-hmm. I can absolutely love my child and feel like I am drowning because the infrastructure and the support that is around us in order for my child and all of us to be health and safe and well is not there. Allowance for men to say, parenting's hard, you know, you know, kids. Um, it's, It's not as okay for women to say that. And um, how much do we carry around loss and bury it and how much does it come out in really unhelpful ways like firing off at professionals or firing mm-hmm. off with mm-hmm. friends or getting yeah. angry at things because we haven't dealt with the fact that things are hard and we need to sit in that yeah loss or sit in that if you want to call it grief or you want to sit in that those hard feelings because they exist too so we need to feel those hard feelings and what you said there about the systems and the infrastructure not being great actually that that adds to our guilt because i've had professionals literally tell me there are finite resources if oh, you yeah. get this if yeah. you get this yeah. other then people won't get it other people won't get it yeah and that is that you are pit pitted against other parents mm. in the in the in the boxing ring of getting provision for your child and basically told to fight it out and i think that is awful because yeah you they know, use li- they're using guilt literally a, emotional manipulation armor, yeah, yeah. guilt in order a, to yeah it's called gaslighting well yeah we all we yes it's making you feel like the emotions you're feeling is not warranted within the situation that you are oh not really that tired there's other you? families who would benefit from this way more some yeah. people are so yeah. much worse off yeah than you um and that's very true. And yet we all just have our own internal world and our own stresses yeah. and strains. So come on then. This is where we bring out our magic wands, <laughs> ladies. 
and we say this is the antidote to unhelpful guilt. So there is guilt. We actually do sorry rules in our house. Um, so the sorry rules are if you've done something wrong, you say, I'm sorry for this was wrong because in the future I will. And that can't be not do it. It needs to be a act, positive action. Please, will you forgive me? Um, uh, I read that in a blog post somewhere. I can't remember where. Um, I'll try and find it as soon as I've said it. First of all, I find that really helpful because if I cannot do that construct, if it's just a shame thing, actually, just feel rubbish. You yeah. know, I feel bad that I didn't do another thing today, but actually that's not something to be sorry for because you did 10 other things. Yeah. So if I cannot apply my sorry rules, then guilt has no place here. <laughs> Super helpful. That's good. Um, I think the antidote... Uh, for me, from my personal experience, generally speaking, and who I am, I would say the antidote is just to get into a place where you accept that you're not in control of everything. That, you I know, don't think Sarah it's... and I are there yet. <laughs> I don't about you, Sarah. I'm not I'm in control. Well, actually, not. I'm definitely not in, control in control of <laughs> everything. I'm not. I think get into a place where you accept actually that you're not in control of anything, and then <gasps> <laughs> there, is, there is there is no guilt because there's no. You know, I I'm doing and. The, I think that coupled with compassion of I am I am doing the best with the information I have. Can it just be I'm, expressed yeah. that I am in control of my bladder? Uh, I'm not actually Most some of the time. Of the time. <laughs> you know, little little patch here and there because you know I've had four children. <laughs> I'm not going to be sorry about that. I think a lot of it is around our personalities, you know, kind of, um, and I think that what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to recognise when I'm feeling guilty. I'm going to try to take a leaf out of Lucy's book and think about whether I've actually got uh, a reason. Do you, you know, like, kind of, is it something out of my control? In is which it, case? Is it something I yeah. can control? Yeah. I'll take a leaf out of your book, Rachel, and I shall find some sorry rules. Mm, um, the sorry rules shall... are good. Yeah, I like, I like them. them. Um, but just keep. I'm going to just keep trying to work on the response and try not to go into my tip, like the the thing that I've always done for 40 odd years of fine I will get rid of this negative emotion by controlling everything around me and being superwoman <laughs> okay so we're still having a hiatus from the worst awards we skipped them last week maybe next week we'll start them up again but please do email us at the podcast, tswupodcast at gmail.com if you want to share something like Would You Believe It? or a worst award or anything else. Today, though, do we have any more disability hacks? Okay, so really early on, she needed a shower chair and uh, got myself online. Hundreds of pounds for what looks like a little stool. And I was just thinking, she's going to fall off backwards or sideways or whichever way. Like, this is this is not like a balancey thing. A balance beam in the shower is not going to be good. B&Q. So I went, B&Q, a patio chair, just as the cheapest patio chair you can get with the back and arms that come round. Um, mm -hmm. Drilled holes in the bottom of it so the water would drain away. Bosch Ooh. shower chair. Amazing. Nice. <laughs> You the could take that on holiday then, couldn't you? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You can buy one on holiday. It's yeah. not environmentally Leave sound. But <laughs> buy one. Because like eight, yeah. eight quid, I think it cost me. Very good. So another hack from us is when you go camping 
or okay you don't have to be so crazy as to go camping but if you're just having a wintry day out or it's been a lovely sunny evening but you know you're going to be staying out late and it's going to be cooler spring evening or cooler summer evening how about you take a hot water bottle for your child um obviously don't use boiling water but if your child is anything like mine with uh, where their extremities get really, really cold, particularly the hands and their feet, a warm water in a hot water bottle um, is so good for sort of tucking under blankets and just keeping them nice and toasty. And it means that the whole family can stay out there a little bit longer. If you're going out, though, and you think the hot water bottle is not going to last, take your warm water, your hot water in a thermos flask. And then when you're coming up to the evening and it's getting cooler before they get too cold pour that water into the hot water bottle and hey presto even though you're sitting in the middle of a field or down at the beach you get that nice warm feeling at their toes but it'd be great if you could write in the email is tswupodcast at gmail.com that's tswupodcast at gmail.com and we'd love to hear the things that you or companies if you own a company find useful or support families like ours ladies thank you so much for joining me lucy and sarah and yes bye bye all right that's it no more guilt i guess it isn't isn't surprising that when we have so many people having so many different expectations of our role as the parent of someone with disabilities including the worst of all which is our own selves it isn't surprising that we bumble along carrying unnecessarily guilt and let's be honest we're all just we're just doing the best we can so i really hope that you can stop and think about all the labels and expectations that are placed on you as a parent and as a person, as a wife, as a sister, as a husband, as a brother, and decide what are those expectations that you really feel are true for yourself. What are you going to hold on to as being who you are and what are you going to let go of, including the associated guilt? As ever, I want to thank you so much for coming back week on week and listening to the Skies Are Under podcast. It's always a pleasure chatting to Lucy and Sarah and continued thanks to Harry for editing all our ums and ahs so expertly. We'd love to hear from you and have you as part of our conversation. You can email the podcast at tswupodcast at gmail.com. That's tswupodcast at gmail.com. It'd be brilliant if you could share this podcast with anyone who might listen then rate review follow all those things because it might just mean that we can keep doing this little wee podcast ourselves and the three of us will be back again next week whatever skies we're under (laughs) 